0: We need to find Kronos. How? He could be anywhere. Sometimes, the old ways are best. It's not gonna work. You don't know your way around here. A lot of things have changed. Are criminals still superstitious and cowardly? Yep. Good enough for me.
1: And welcome to Legends of the Batman. I am Michael Bradley.
0: And I'm Michael Kaiser.
1: And this is episode 10. So we finally hit the big 1-0, huh?
0: Yep. We're old now.
1: We're old. (laughs) If this is your first episode, this is a great episode for you to jump on board. The standard format of the show is that we cover a month's worth of Batman material each and every episode. Last episode, for instance, we covered Batman material from December 1939. This episode, however, we're going to take a break from that normal format for an overall look back at the year of 1939 as a whole. One objective both Michael and I had when we started this podcast was to really take a look at how the character of Batman evolved. So to that end, we thought it would be nice if at the end of every comic book year – we pushed pause on our month by month coverage and looked back at the preceding year as a whole to basically offer some overall thoughts on the year, the high points, the low points, major changes and developments in the character, etc. Uh, kind of like a Clis Notes version of the year. For regular listeners, it will offer some review of what's come before, and for new listeners, it'll help get you caught up to speed right quick.
0: Right. So we're going to do that after we cover every year. This will be a probably the one year that's a little different in the fact that um, 1939 is going to have the least amount of Batman material that you know we're ever going to cover again. Um, and also, it's the only year that's not going to be complete because he didn't debut until April of 1939. So, mm-hmm. so this will be a probably a short year in review. But then after this one, you know, every subsequent year should be have more to look at.
1: Right. At the end of the episode, Michael and I will also be revealing our picks for the Best and Worst Cover and Villain of the Year, as well as our choices for Best and Worst Stories from the Year. And Michael and I haven't told each other our choices, and we plan on keeping those from each other until we reveal them, quote-unquote, live on the show, so that might prove interesting.
0: Yeah, I totally know what you're going to pick, though.
1: I think I actually sent you my choices in that that first email, didn't I? No, I don't think so. Not that I noticed okay well good um, a little later we will also be giving a brief overview of 1939 outside the world of Batman by running down noteworthy historical events from the year and taking a look at top uh, movies and music from the year uh, looking at these things will hopefully give the story some context and frame them with you know what was going on in the larger world at the time right uh, just for a sort of a by the numbers breakdown of the year uh, there was only one Form of media and that was comic books. Uh, there was nine stories from nine individual comic books, and there were five creators involved: two writers, two artists, and one editor.
0: And we had a total of nine episodes to go with those nine comic books. So uh, this will probably be the last time that syncs up, you know, nicely. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually pretty amazed that we uh, haven't missed a week yet either. So. Yeah, well, it's only been ten episodes, but pat ourselves on the back a little bit for that one.
1: Right, but we we had a good uh, we had a good jump start when the show started, as far as episodes done up. But yeah, we've both encountered some problems and, you know recording here and there, and uh, personal personal issues that have had to take uh, priority and stuff. So, but but yeah, we've done pretty good, I think. Yeah, to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Yep. So to get into the year in review, uh, the biggest thing that strikes me from the stories we've covered you know in this first year is that that the batman presented in these stories is quite similar to what we see today both in appearance and personality
0: yeah that i guess surprised me too i mean you hear that all the time like how you know frank miller or neil adams or whatever quote-unquote restored batman to his original dark roots but i always still kind of assumed that the golden age would be a little more out there than it's been um especially that first issue we talked i think we talked about it on the show it just that. um like right off the bat, he just is kind of the Batman you you know and right. love today. So, especially if you compare him to Superman, and you know oh, your yeah. your coverage on your on your Superman show, I mean, yes. I mean yeah. the difference is
1: just striking.
0: amazing. Yes, yeah, striking.
1: Yeah. yeah. At this point, you know, talking about that first issue, they're still playing with the look a lot, um, especially in those first couple issues. He looked quite a bit different than he does even in the issue we covered last episode right um but throughout the year we've moved a little bit a little bit closer and closer to you know classic batman yeah or what i kind of think of as classic batman at least from silver age stuff
0: right the uh the blue action hero dick spring stuff yeah
1: right i mean the more the the blue highlighting highlighting has been worked in Mm -hmm. when he started he had that big you know the batwing cape which we both really liked um yeah that kind of surprised me too how Looking at these stories again, how much I liked that Batwing cape as opposed to the regular cape. I
0: don't yeah. know about you, but... Well, I don't know if I prefer it necessarily, but I
1: did find it fun. Um, yeah. It makes for nice silhouettes when he's it, running. It does. Jumping around. Yeah. Uh, but the cowl, too, has evolved quite a bit. Uh uh-huh. Yeah. They, the the, yeah, the horns or the ears, mm-hmm. mostly. Uh, they've played around with the nose a little bit too, but, but that's mostly with the shading.
0: They seem to be getting more and more um, rabbit-like mm-hmm. with each story, but I know that will <laughs> that will change
1: soon here. Right, and they'll they'll kind of shrink down again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his personality too is a bit more playful. I, I don't know right. if that's the right word, but um, at least when fingers writing, he does a lot of uh, quipping and joking to himself. And, mm-hmm. and we we definitely don't see that in the Batman of the last. Post Dark Knight Returns, I'll say that much.
0: Yeah, he's kind of um, you know Spider Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Under under Finger's writing anyway, um, especially. Um, I kind of prefer Fox's in that in that sense anyway. I kind of prefer Fox's more you know silent personality. Um, I guess I think it was Detective Twenty Eight I first started noticing that Finger really likes to make him quip and banter with the bad guys, Mm -hmm. and then and then we get a big run of Fox, and then Finger came back for the. Last issue we covered, and there he goes bantering again. So. Right. Yeah. So Fox's Batman was much quieter.
1: Right. So that's that's one thing that Fox has up on finger. Yeah. Um, we kind of alluded to it before, but I think people being introduced to the character today through modern comics would feel much more at home with these stories than you know the same people being introduced to Superman or even Wonder Woman would, right. with their Golden Age stories.
0: Yeah. I mean – not to keep knocking Superman, because it actually... I mean, the Golden Age Superman stories are pretty fun. Right. Um, they're just not at all how I, you know, ideally picture Superman in my head. The iconic version, right. Right. Or even, you know, the, the problems that he's going up against aren't really Superman problems. Right. To me. Yeah. And actually would maybe even work better as, as Batman problems in some way.
1: I can see that, especially a lot of the stories I've covered at this point on the show, mm-hmm. on my Superman show,
0: yeah. Yeah, like the, you know, the... Ultra humanite, for instance, Mm -hmm. is a, you know, smart, crippled, and he likes to do traps. That just sounds like a Batman villain to (laughs) me. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing.
1: Superman's not fighting uh, giant aliens from outer space or anything. Right. Not yet. We also saw a Batman that wasn't perfect. You know, he got put through his paces some. He was shot a couple times, and he was captured or knocked unconscious by the villains. Um, He didn't always have all the the answers and the maneuvers and sometimes just had to wing it with whatever was around be be it a fire extinguisher or a ruby idol you know to defeat the villain
0: <laughs> right uh, right um yeah he's not quite as um he doesn't use his brains quite as much yet no. as as he will he doesn't do he hasn't been doing a lot of detective work yet the, you know the occasional thing here and there but you know we haven't really seen much lab work or you know him him deducing things it's more like he's just driving around and encounters what he needs to encounter and
1: right, which uh, is interesting though because that very first story was very much a detective story, right, so we, it we kicked off with that, but then there really hasn't been a whole lot like you said since then, right. I like though that we uh saw him fighting a wide variety of villains, you know we had thugs and corrupt businessmen and mad scientists and whatever the monk was, um, supernatural foes, madmen trying to take over the world. Right. Um, I think we can agree that not all the stories were good, but I, pre- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I appreciate that Finger and Fox gave us a variety of villains. Mm-hmm. And really, on that point, Fox gets a lot of the credit. Um, all three of Finger's villains were basically cut from the same mold.
0: Right. They uh, were all they were all money-driven. Right. Um,
1: yeah, so Fox, Fox definitely tried to bring some creativity
0: when it came to the villains it's just unfortunately he didn't seem to think them through very well
1: right but he had dr death mm-hmm. and the monk and the carl kruger you know they, they were all more colorful and uh comic booky villains that the batman will become known for in right a few years mm-hmm. yeah if you had like a
0: you know a string of if we if all we had was fox from the beginning up to where we are now then maybe we would have got bored with just the the same old you know Money grabbing villain over and over. Finger, you mean? I mean finger, yeah. Right. Fox finger, finger fox. <laughs>
1: um, none of them really became recurring villains, though. No. Or even, I mean, I guess I know some of them return at some point, but um, it's only when their stories are kind of retold. It's not like uh, certain other villains that'll be showing up pretty soon. Right. That become a, a recurring rogue in the even Golden Age.
0: Yeah, Doctor Death is probably the. The most you know, famous of the ones we've covered so far, right? Mm-hmm. But even him, it's like they bring him back in the in the eighties or you know the two thousand three or whatever, and all they do is just retell his origin again, right? You know, update it, and then that's all they do with him.
1: I think him and the monk are the only two that ever show up again, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I think the monk, uh, given my you know knowledge of what did we say, the monk was re- also just another retelling of his origin, right? In the Matt Wagner series, uh-huh. in the Matt Wagner series, right? So again, they don't—he doesn't continue to come back. So yeah, we haven't really come across a villain that uh, that it's going to give Batman a hard time yet.
1: No, Fox also introduced, you know, a lot of the gadgets that Batman will become known for, like the Batplane and the Batarangs. So you know, he gets credit for that. Yeah. But still, I think that Fox's stories were some of the worst of the year because they were just. They were just riddled with nonsense and contrived points, and they left a lot of things unexplained. Absolutely. And talking flowers and.
0: It's just very frustr <laughs> very frustrating stories sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Finger's villains might have all been crooks looking to get money, but his stories were better uh-huh. to me. Uh, and I look forward to seeing where Finger takes the character in the next year, especially when he starts introducing the wider wider variety of villains. Yeah. I kind of wonder. I mean, we keep giving Fox a hard time,
0: and I know he kind of deserves it, but I also keep wondering if fingers getting getting out of it because he only contributed, you know, uh, what three stories and two pages, and uh, it
1: could be. So uh, maybe
0: there was just more Fox to look at,
1: right? And it, it could be. I kind of I know what's coming up, so mm-hmm. I know that's not necessarily the case, but okay. yeah, but yeah, we could be being a little bit harder on Fox. I mean, he wrote his six stories were the longest yeah of the uh the, uh, of the stories mm-hmm. finger only wrote one that was 12 pages the other were six pages so that's true right? really he only wrote the equivalent of two stories compared to finger or fox but
0: yeah I, I mean he like you said he he introduced a lot of cool things um cool ideas i wonder how much was maybe all three of them talking about that though i don't know i don't know um you know who from, knows who knows if Finger was just like, "Hey, it'd be cool if he had a plane," and that was the end of that. You know that kind of thing. Um,
1: from what you said in the, I think it was the first episode though, um, Fox coming on board. Finger didn't have anything to do with that. That was from Oh, Vincent true, Slurman, wasn't it?
0: Right. Yeah. Right. They DC hired Fox directly and didn't know anything about Finger at the time. Right. So they probably didn't collaborate that much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think that uh, 1940 will be a big year for the character. Uh, At this point, he's already become a major favorite of the readers. I mean, he's taken over the cover of Detective. Mm -hmm. And uh, not to spoil too much ahead, but 1940 brings his solo title and introduces at least three major figures from Batman canon.
0: Right, and he's going to get
1: Four, technically, I guess.
0: And we're going to get a new editor. Right. um, Who apparently was much more hands-on than the former editor, Mm -hmm. Vince Sullivan. So... I think that's when the character is going to start turning into a more homogenized, maybe that's not the right word, a nicer, friendlier superhero. I guess. Oh,
1: definitely, yeah. So more killing and. Yeah, and that all happens for like
0: right at, right at the beginning of 1940, I think. We're Boy Scout. That's right. You right, duly deputized citizen of. uh, <laughs> right. uh Not right. not right. Gotham, but New York, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Right. And I
1: think the, um, I think the high point of the the year was the origin definitely uh we talked about that in great length in episode seven it was very short and but it was very iconic and even though it was just those two pages it was definitely a high point of the year for me anyway
0: yeah so and speaking of the origin um i think in episode one i was i had some some research i was going to read about as far as how they came up with batman but then i instead went with a with a nicer version that was written by um I can't remember his name now, but it came out of the Millennium Edition of Detective number 27. But um, mostly I just wanted to do that because I didn't want to kick off our first episode by being too negative about the creators. But now that we're on episode 10... <laughs> it's um, fair game,
1: yeah. It's kind of a fair no. game
0: now. Um, no. And I've also just been reading more about the history of Batman since we've been doing the show. Um, so I have a, a few inspirations that I'd like to go over real fast. Um some sources for Batman's creation were, um, Alex Raymond's Flash Gordon newspaper strip, uh, which apparently Kane seemed to draw a lot of artistic, um, interest from. I think he was a big Alex Raymond fan as far as his illustration style. And, um, he, even like there are people that have accused Kane of, um, like swiping, uh, Ale- Alex Raymond poses, if you can believe that.
1: <laughs> Shocking. Yeah.
0: Including the, uh. The pose on, of Batman on Detective number 27's cover. So that might actually explain why we think that cover is kind of wonky because it, it – it It's seems, not Batman, right? Yeah, it seems like Batman looks funny in that picture. Um, and also remember I think we talked about how originally Batman was going to be called someone called a uh, Wingman. Um
1: wingman or birdman?
0: Or was it Birdman? I don't remember. But I,
1: think, I thought we said Birdman in an earlier episode, but I could be mistaken.
0: Essentially a guy in red tights with a with <laughs> with bird wings on. And they were that was their original idea. And I think that some people assume that maybe Kane got that idea also from the uh the Birdman of Flash Gordon newspaper strip. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So then there was a movie in the 1930s called The Bat Whispers, which I think we talked about in episode one. Um, and I looked into that a little more and it was written by Mary Roberts Reinhardt, who was apparently like the most successful mystery writer of her time hmm. um, and helped create a lot of formulas that we know of today, like shadows and thunderstorms and mass men and things like wow. that. Um, and that that movie had a detective who was really a costume killer known as The Bat. So there's a theory that they got that idea from that Um, even though Batman obviously is a good guy but and then we have the Mark of Zorro which I think we've talked about multiple times uh, from 1920 starring Douglas Fairbanks as a wealthy gentleman who transforms himself at night into a masked crusader of justice in old California and he also had a hideout which he entered through an old grandfather clock so it's kind of interesting even though they haven't shown that yet in Batman but Eventually they don't
1: even have the – well, I guess it's a secret room. I was going to say we don't even have the Batcave yet. We, he has the secret room.
0: Yeah, he's got a secret room, and, and he, he didn't use a clock, but
1: – No, it was just like a secret passageway.
0: Right. And then apparently, Bill – I was reading that Bill Finger kind of perceived Batman as a combination of D'Artagnan from Alexander Dumas' The Three Musketeers, which was written in 1844, and also Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, Sherlock Holmes. Who oh, I can see that. Yeah, that kind of works for me. Kind of, you know, flamboyant and action oriented, but then he's swashbuckling also swashbuckling detective. Yeah. Yeah, swashbuckling detective. Um, Batman's debut story, the case of the chemical syndicate, was admitted by Finger to have been heavily inspired, or I guess swiped, by uh, from a shadow story published in 1936 called The Partners in Peril.
1: Have you, by chance, ever read that?
0: I have not read it yet. Okay. Um. But there was a site that showed, like, comparisons of text and panels, oh. so that was kind of giving telling. Um, and also, like we just kind of said, it seemed like Detective number 27 was the only issue where he was actually a detective. Right. And so maybe it's because they took the story from the shadow. Who knows?
1: Well, he's been doing detective-y things. Yeah. But not been detective stories so much.
0: He's always using his brain. Right. But whether or not it's effective, I don't know yet, but <laughs> – Popular Detective was a magazine published by Better Publications, and it featured a character in 1934 named The Bat, who is a reporter framed by crooks and went around at night uh, getting payback, dressed in black and a hooded, with a hooded face and a white bat on his forehead. And he had an origin story, um, and in it there was a scene where he's brooding about what new identity he should uh, adopt, and a bat flies in through the window at the st- Uh, as like a stroke of inspiration, so... Huh. Sounds familiar? Yeah, sounds very familiar. Um, And the Bat, this character, the Bat, is theorized to have been created by the same guy who created Zorro. Um, Johnson McCauley, but it was a pen name, so they're not exactly sure. (laughs) Um, But I thought that was interesting because there's Zorro again. Um, Anyway, and Better Publications also produced another magazine in July of 1939 called black book detective that featured a character called the black bat who was a district attorney that wore a black outfit very similar to batman's including a scalloped cape after an accident left him scarred and blind this i'm not going to say was was inspiration by kane but i was reading about it and apparently they came out kind of at the same time as batman came out and both companies were ready to sue each other hmm. which i found interesting uh, kind of like a superman shazam thing i guess could be um But then I guess the cooler heads prevailed and they backed out. And then the Black Bat disappeared after 60 issues. Two other things. We have Chester Gold's Dick Tracy, which started in 1931, but was growing um, immensely popular by the 1940s or early 1939, 1940. And some people suggest that that may have been the reason why Bob Kane, uh, or Bob Kane Studios anyway, kind of went from a, you know, more illustrative style to a more blocky, cartoony Batman style. Okay. Sort of to ape the style of Dick Tracy. Could be. And then Batman also started, get, started to get all these, you know, really cool, memorable villains that, you know, Dick Tracy was kind of well-known for his assortment of villains as well, so they were thinking maybe mm-hmm. they were they were trying for that kind of vibe.
1: I can definitely see that, yeah.
0: Not that any of Batman's villains necessarily rip off Dick Tracy's villains, but just as far as the assortment of villainy that they have to choose from i guess and then lastly i have the whisperer which was also created by Zoro creator johnston mccauley and he debuted in 1936 in a self-titled magazine and was a pulp vigilante whose secret identity was one police commissioner james w gordon <laughs> um, he looked and acted nothing like batman's gordon but i just thought it was interesting that he has the same name and he's also a police commissioner Although our Gordon currently only has a last name, but eventually, right. eventually his full name will be James W. Gordon. Hmm. So, and
1: that's it. And I don't know when he gets his full name either. I'm not sure either. I tried I've to tried look to... it up for these yeah. notes, but I didn't find anything. But we will come across it eventually. Um. So yeah, it just seems like um, both Finger and Kane kind of drew from a lot of inspirations.
0: Um, but ultimately, Batman. Has become bigger than the sum of his parts, but I just oh find, yeah, definitely. I, I find yeah. it interesting that all these sources that allege to the creation of Batman
1: and they may not have been inspired by them at all. It could have just been a coincidence. Like what was it the the black the black bat you said
0: right? And I think, okay,
1: yeah, you know that they may not have ripped off Batman. It you know just like minds thinking alike. So right, right. Um, exactly. But Superman's the same way. You know he pulls from mm-hmm. a lot of uh, historical characters and and uh that that type of gladiator that type of thing um
0: i would i would think that pretty much any character that you you know know and love can probably have origins from something else
1: oh yeah yeah that, i mean that's... we talked about uh when we were talking about the uh batman uh, the origin we talked about how that probably influenced spider-man and and mm-hmm. other characters and spider-man in turn influenced you know blue beetle and and on that well not blue beetle but um you know, other characters down the road. So, But yeah, it's just a big chain of inspiration and somebody taking something and tweaking it a little bit and creating something new. And then that the next person grabs that, and that's just creativity. Yep. Uh, so in summary, um, 1939 had the first appearances of Batman, of course, and Bruce right. Wayne. Yep. As well as Commissioner Gordon, the Waynes, and their killer. Although at this point, only Martha, or was it Thomas, that was named. Thomas Ooh. Only one of them was named in that origin.
0: Oh, hold on. let's We can look it up real quick. Thomas.
1: Thomas was named. Okay. Yeah, some 15 years ago, Thomas Wayne and his wife and his son were walking home. Yeah. Uh, so we've seen the Waynes and their killer, but only Thomas has been named. Uh, no name or history or even fate of the killer. And we also saw the first appearance of Bruce Wayne's fiancée, Julie Madison. <laughs> right. <laughs> who came out of the blue and then disappeared just as quickly.
0: Yeah, we so, probably saw her last appearance already, uh, but who knows? Uh,
1: no, she's coming back.
0: Oh, she does? Okay. Yeah,
1: they actually write her out.
0: Spoiler. Oh, wow. But, yeah,
1: they actually write her out. but um.
0: Well, that's pretty nice like, of them,
1: actually. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought they'd
0: just make her disappear.
1: <laughs> uh, but we also had some gadgets. We had the Batplane, and we saw it uh, get blown up. Mm-hmm. We had the Batarangs, and while it's not called the Batmobile yet... We have a specially built high tech roadster that he's been driving around.
0: Well, they even said the red one was was super powered or high, you know, right. something. So he's had two at this point now. But they're not Batmobiles yet;
1: they're just right. Proto-
0: they just look like,
1: they look like normal cars. They don't have any kind of bat motif. Like the Batplane had the giant bat head on the, mm-hmm. on the front of it. Yeah, but the cars just look like normal.
0: And it was called. It was actually called the Bat Gyro or the Batplane. Right. Um, and the batarangs, which are currently misspelled still, well, not misspelled, just spelled differently than they traditionally are, um, still don't quite work like uh, the batarangs of today, where they're more like, you know, throwing stars or something. He throws di- right. he throws directly at your head. They're more like uh, boomerangs. Right. So there's still that little bit of difference.
1: And we also saw sort of the the beginning of the Bat Cave mm-hmm. because he had the special hanger where he held the bat plane, and then we saw the the secret room where he had his filing cabinet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, he has a secret room with the filing cabinet. <laughs> right,
1: and a laboratory of some sort when he made the uh, oh. chemical to put on the the bat plane.
0: Absolutely. Right. So we're getting we're getting a little closer. Like we like we said at the beginning of the show, he starts off you know full blown Batman, but at the same time he's missing a lot of his you know the fun trappings that come along with a Batman story. So right, but he's getting there.
1: You know, I'm looking forward to getting there. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh to seeing more show up in the next year. So.
0: so which of his Batman trappings are you like most looking forward to seeing for the first time or reading for the first time?
1: Well, the Batmobile. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm looking for the Batmobile to show the, the actual real Batmobile.
0: Yeah, that's way up and, on
1: my list. And then, but probably the number one thing is just some of the villains that.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I I for some reason I'm just
0: dying for them to say Gotham City.
1: Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, so we can I mean, stop calling it New York or right, nameless so city. Just
0: give him his place, you know. Right. Um, I have and I haven't looked up when that's going to happen. I don't think it's anytime soon, though. But we'll see. All right. So, um, as promised, we are going to give you a little history lesson here. Initially, when Mike and I were thinking about doing the show, one of our our reoccurring segments was going to be for each episode we were going to talk about you know, what happened in the real world for that month and year. And then I think we just decided that that would just get too monotonous. Right. Um, but I'm glad that well, we're
1: doing I'm Speaking for myself, I'm not a big history guy. Right. Um, it was probably my least favorite subject in school next to uh, science. So because they, uh, they didn't talk about comics in history class. Exactly. Right. It's like you talk about the history of Superman, I'll listen. But right. I don't want to hear about, you know, the Spanish Civil War and all that. Yeah. But, yeah, so I'm glad we,
0: I'm glad we cut that idea, but I'm also glad that we've decided to do this year in review and at least every once in a while look at what was going on.
1: Right, because it is important, you know. It yeah. helps to, like I said at the beginning, it helps to frame the stories uh, within a context of what was happening in the world around it. Which, at certain points, I think that'll really, you know, when we get to the war, you know, that'll that that really influences yeah. comics and then on, so on. So.
0: Yeah, um, which is this year. So. Right. Um, so I just have a few things I didn't. I mean, I also am not necessarily a history buff, so forgive me if I if I overlooked something that was ter- terribly important. But um, what I got is on January first, Hewlett Packard Company is founded. And since Mike's a Mac user, he doesn't care about that one. <laughs> um, January fifteenth, Amelia Earhart is officially declared dead after her disappearance in nineteen thirty seven. Uh, January thirtieth. Hitler gives a speech before German parliament uh, for an export battle to increase German holdings. He also warns that if Jewish financiers start a war against Germany, the result will be the annihilation of the Jewish race, Jewish race in Europe. So that was kind of a bummer speech, I'm guessing.
1: That sounds like it, yeah.
0: Um, inklings of something bad to come. February 6th, we have... British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain states in the House of Commons that any German attack on France will be automatically considered an attack on Britain. March 2nd, Pope Pius XII succeeds Pope Pius XI as the 260th <laughs> Pope. And March 15th, German troops occupy the re- the remaining part of Bohemia and Moravia. Czechoslovakia ceases to exist. Moravia? Moravia. Is that what I said? Yeah. See, I told you, I don't know anything about history, or, or countries for that matter. Um, <laughs> April 1st, the Spanish Civil War comes to an end when the last of the Republic forces surrender. 500,000 people lost their lives as, the, as a consequence of the war, which lasted from 1936 to 1939. And April 18th, Batman, created by Bob Kane and unofficially Bill Finger, makes his first appearance in a comic book.
1: Like anything becomes of that guy.
0: Yeah, I know. Why even bring it up, right? Yeah. Um, May 2nd, Major League Baseball's Lou Gehrig, the legendary Yankee first baseman known as the Iron Horse, ends his 2,130th consecutive games played streak after contracting um, ALS, uh, which is now known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, The record stands for 56 years before Cal Ripken Jr. plays 2,131 consecutive games on September 6, 1995. Um, how many
1: How many did he go before he ended his streak? Do you know?
0: No, I don't. Okay. Should have looked it up, huh? Okay. Uh, we'll cover it in
1: 1995.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, we'll start our baseball podcast someday. All right. Right. So, May 17th, King George VI and Queen Elizabeth arrive in Quebec City to begin the first ever tour of Canada by Canada's monarch. June 12th, the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum is officially dedicated in Cooperstown, New York. June 17th, in the last public guillotining, is that how you say that? In France, murderer Eugene Waldman is decapitated by the guillotine. I just was like, wow, 1939, they were still chopping off heads. That was Yeah, that's... that's huh. That was crazy to me. But anyway, June 24th, the government of Siam changes its name to Thailand, which means free land. Uh, July 2nd, the first World Science Fiction Convention opens in New York City. Also on July 2nd, Theodore Roosevelt's head is dedicated at Mount Rushmore. That was going to be a weird sentence, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, after we talked about decapitation. Right, right. Theodore Roosevelt's head was found. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, July 4th, Lou Gehrig again gives his last public speech following a diagnosis of ALS. In it, he says, today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And I think we talked about that in other episodes. Yeah, but oh. Anyway, it was worth bringing up again. And on the 6th, the last remaining Jewish enterprises in Germany are closed by the Nazis. Um, August 7th, Albert Einstein writes to President Franklin Roosevelt about developing the atomic bomb using uranium. This leads to the creation of the Manhattan Project. Um, September 1st, and this is where things go bad. So there's a lot of September. September 1st, at 445 Central European Time, the German battleship... uh schleswig Holstein opens bombardment on the on uh, the Westerplate I don't know a Polish military base outside Danzig firing what are according to many sources the first shots of the war of World War II at the same time troops began crossing the border into Poland also on the first Norway, Finland, Sweden, and Switzerland declare their neutrality (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just thought that was funny nope nope (laughs) Uh, um, for now, yeah. Yeah. September 3rd, the United Kingdom, France, New Zealand, and Australia declare war on Germany. And on the 5th, the United States declares its neutrality. And on September 6th...
1: Why did it take four more days for the United States to make up their mind?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And on the 6th, South America declares war on Germany. And on the 8th, Polish troops are forced due to lack of food and ammunition to surrender. On the 10th, Canada declare, declares war on Germany. On the 17th, the Soviet Union invades Poland and then occupies eastern Polish territories. So Poland is not having a good time on September 1939. No. Uh, on the 29th, Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union agree on a division of Poland after their invasion. And also on the 29th, Gerald J. Cox, speaking at an American Water Works Association meeting, becomes the first person to publicly propose the fluoridation of public water supplies in the united states which has nothing to do with world war ii but thought that was interesting too on october 8th germany annexes western poland and on the 11th u.s president franklin d roosevelt is presented a letter signed by albert einstein urging the united states to rapidly develop the atomic bomb and on the 24th nylon stockings go on sale for the first time anywhere and <laughs> willing to- uh,
1: Delaware. <laughs> it can't, it, we, we have a wide variety of things here in the history segment, from you know, World War II and bombings to atomic bombs and pantyhose. So. So, yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, fluoride in public water.
1: Right, right.
0: It can't all be negative news.
1: And decapitations. You
0: know? so. Right, right. Uh, November 8th, in Munich, an attempt to kill Adolf Hitler is made by George Elser, while Hitler is celebrating the 16th anniversary of the Beer Hall Putsch, whatever that is. Some sort of beer festival. Uh, apparently that did not go well, though, because no. he's alive still. Or he was at that time.
1: He, he was, yeah. yeah.
0: November 15th, in Washington, D.C., U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt lays the cornerstone of the Jefferson Memorial. And on the 16th, Al Capone is released from Alcatraz. Um, December 2nd, LaGuardia Airport opens for business in New York City. And on the 14th, the League of Nations expels the League of Nations expels the USSR for attacking Finland. And lastly, no month is known on these, but CBS Television sometime this year begins transmission. And General Motors introduces the Hydromatic Drive, the first mass-produced fully automatic transmission, as an option in the 1940 model year Osmobile automobiles.
1: That's a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah. And so that's all I got for history.
1: Cool. Well, moving into non-history, sort of more multimedia stuff... Uh, I put together a little montage of some music from 1939, and there's no – it's not like the top five, six songs of the year. Uh, They didn't really have billboard charts back then. There was a a wide variety of charts, each kind of documenting their own uh, different categories and and criteria. So there's not like the number one song of the year. But um, I put together a little montage, and we're going to play that. So just sit back and relax for a few minutes and enjoy the music.
2: Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's one you all can sing with us when the saints go marching in.
3: Saints, when the Saints go marching
2: in, marching in, now when the Saints go marching in, marching in, yes I want to be in that number when the Saints go marching in. Again, out where a friend is a friend, where the longhorn cattle feed on the lowly gemson weed. I'm back in the saddle again, riding the range once more, toting my old 44. Where you sleep out every night and the only law is right back in the saddle again. Whoopee tie I all oh, rocking to and fro back in the saddle again. Whoopee tie I, eh, I go my way
3: back in the saddle again.
2: she was gonna do to Toto. She says she now, was gonna... Now, Dorothy, dear, stop imagining things. You always get yourself into a fret over nothing. Now, you just help us out today and find yourself a place where you won't get into any trouble. Some place where there isn't any trouble. Do you suppose there is such a place, Toto? There must be. <laughs> it's not a place you can get to by a boat or a train far away, behind the moon, beyond the rain, A sudden smell of burning flesh Here is a fruit For the crows to pluck For the rain together For the wind to
3: suck
1: for the So moving on to movies, 1939 was a huge year for movies. Um, it's been called in some circles the, the greatest year in American cinema. And a lot of the movies that came out that year have just become all time classics. We had Gone with the Wind.
0: My wife's favorite movie.
1: Really? We had The Wizard of Oz, which is one of my favorite movies. Great movie. <laughs> we had Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yeah. Stagecoach and Wuthering Heights. And some other movies that caught my eye were Destry Rides Again. Goodbye, Mr. Chips, Gunga Din, Son of Frankenstein, Of Mice and Men, Dark Victory, and Ninochka. And there was also The Hound of the Baskervilles and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which were the first two Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce, Sherlock Holmes movies. So I thought that would be that was interesting given the Sherlock Holmes influence in Batman. Right. And I also thought I'd run down some of the movie serials because I thought that would be more – Sort of in, of interest to the, the comic book readers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We had a, a Buck Rogers serial starring Buster Crab. We had a Dick Tracy serial called Dick Tracy's G-Man starring Ralph Byrd. We had The Lone Ranger Rides Again starring uh, Robert Livingston. And that was the final Lone Ranger serial. We had Mandrake the Magician. And Mandrake was a comic strip from King Feature Syndicate created by Lee Falk who also created The Phantom.
0: Who was another inspiration for Batman?
1: Right, and there was also Zorro's Fighting Legion, starring Reed Hadley. So cool. a lot of a lot of uh, Batman inspiration got uh, serials in yeah. 1939.
0: Maybe he uh, will too someday.
1: Maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, as for television, television wasn't really in yet. Uh, it was mostly only the very wealthy that had television sets, and programming was still in its infancy. There were some firsts this year, uh, the first televised presidential speech, the first televised baseball game, football game, etc., but that's about it that was noteworthy. As far as books go, we had The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler, which was the first novel in his Philip Marlowe series, although there had been some short stories before that. There was The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck, and there was The Philadelphia Story, Arsenic and Old Lace, which were both plays. And those also came out in 1939.
0: Arsenic and Old Lace* is a good movie.
1: It's been a while. I've seen yeah. that. But, yeah. All right. So now it's time for what could be the most interesting part of the show, where we have our top picks. The first category is Worst Villain. And my choice for Worst Villain is Duke... Duke
0: <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I almost said The Monk. Yep. But I think The Monk had potential if the story had been improved. I really can't say that for the Duke. Uh, his motivation was weak, and the talking flowers and burn your face off, Ray, were just
0: blah. Yeah. Um, my worst villain pick is The Monk uh, from Detective Comics 31 and 32. And like you, I was actually thinking about picking The Duke, except for uh, The Monk showed up twice, so so he won. Cause how dare he come back?
1: It wasted two stories. Yeah, <laughs> it was wasted another. two
0: stories. So my problem with the monk, uh, I kind of agree with you that it could have been, it could have worked if they had just done a little more. But his his complete lack of motivation <laughs> right. just drives me absolutely crazy. At least with the duke, you know he wants their money. You know he wants to hook up with his sister. It doesn't make sense what he's doing to get those <laughs> to to make that happen. But at least you know right. what he wants. You know. Yeah. I, we never found out what the monk was trying to do, really. So it just drove me crazy. So that's why I picked the monk. So the next category is best villain, and I picked Doctor Death from Detective Comics 29 and 30 um, for a few reasons. One, he was the first Batman, you know, arch nemesis sort of first Batman villain to take to make a comeback, and the first Batman villain to have like a code name. A lot of firsts. He was the first Batman villain to, like, purposely go after Batman instead of just, you know, encountering him through his shenanigans. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a cool villainous look. He had Cossack henchmen, you know, and a secret lab and Bunsen burners and trapdoors and fun stuff like that. And I liked how at the end of the – at least his first appearance, he kind of goes crazy and (laughs) – and then he ends up scarred, which is a very Batman thing, you know, a villain who's crazy and scarred. So burns his face off, right. Right. Um, it's kind of like the story. I guess it's the story that does it for me more than anything because I don't know how much Doctor Death is even in either of those stories. But um, he is you know, behind both of those stories, so it just worked for me. His first appearance especially was better than his second. But
1: Yeah, well, my pick for best villain, I kind of went uh, with an odd choice. I'm going to choose Carl Kruger and the Scarlet Horde. Okay. Um, even though the story was weak, I think Kruger had a lot of potential. He reminds me of the villains that we're going to get down the road. Um, he's a rich guy. He's not quite, you know, all there. I mean, he thinks he's Napoleon, for crying out loud. And he wants to take over the world. He's not just a, a random thug or a crook, like in the Three Finger stories. I don't know. I just I just think uh, that Kruger was a lot of fun and uh, uh-huh. very comic booky. y uh, But, you know, Dr. Death was as well. Uh, but I just kind of... I, th- I think Kruger had a lot of potential, and it's a shame they killed him off at the end of the story because, you know, brought him back and given him some uh, – a, a grander plot and some, some embellishing, and he could have really – Yeah. Been...
0: Well, Kruger actually – he certainly had more action than Dr. Death. Um, right. Dr. Death is now that – you know, more I'm thinking about it, he kind of just relied on all his henchmen to do everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So – but I still like him. Okay.
1: So moving on to worst cover. I'm going with Detective Comics number 33 by Bob Kane. And this was a pretty difficult choice for me because there was a lot of strong covers this year, uh, even the non-Batman ones. But um, Detective Comics number 34 was in the running. But what it came down to was that if I was completely unfamiliar with the comics and had these two covers put in front of me, I'd probably read number 33 first. So
0: you probably read 33 first.
1: Excuse me. I'd read 34 first. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I also picked Detective Comics number 33. Oh, wow. So there, we have our first agreement. Um, I almost went with number 27, to tell you the truth, but number 27 kind of has the whole iconic, it was the first issue of Batman going for it, and 33 has nothing going for it as far as that goes. So um, 33
1: had the origin, though.
0: It does, but I don't recognize it as that, right. necessarily, when you're just browsing through Detective issues. Right. Um, and I don't like... I think we talked about it before. His cape wings look far too huge, mm-hmm. and I just think the layout is funky. Like the Detective Comics logo is like right on top of that bridge that he's supposed to be jumping off, so it just
1: uh-huh.
0: makes the line, the eye line look weird. And
1: you can't—it's not clear that he's jumping off the bridge because right. this could go all the way
0: up, right? Yeah, and those guys in the car seem to be a little too too low on the page. And I don't know. It's just the alignment is all messed up. And But like you said, we had a lot of great covers this year. So calling this one the worst isn't, doesn't necessarily mean I hate it. But, right. But it's just my least favorite.
1: Did you have any of the non-Batman covers in the running? Or did no. you discount those I, entirely? I,
0: I discounted them entirely.
1: Okay. See, I didn't. Oh, you I didn't? Count, no, I counted them in too. But it doesn't matter because we ended up picking the same one, well, interestingly enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I, I almost picked number – 30 for like my favorite because of the blowtorch to the face thing but (laughs) but speaking of best cover uh i picked for best cover detective comics number 31 uh, because it's just a very classic dc cover i've seen it many times before it's very moody i like this you know he's got rabbit ears but other than that i like how batman is like a looming figure in the background looking over the evil monk's you know, business or whatever he's doing. It's got a full moon and fogs and bats, and it's just very dramatic.
1: I had the same choice, Detective Comics number 31. Awesome. And awesome. my notes were almost exactly the same as you. Um, it's just an awesome cover. Yeah. It's eye-catching and atmospheric and moody. Um, I had a note, too, that the horns are a little long, but other than that, it's nicely drawn. Otherwise, it's just very iconic. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, the, the hands down, there, was, yeah. there wasn't a, even a second place pick really for my for the best cover even though they were all strong yeah
0: and that was actually the only cover where batman isn't literal too so right i don't don't know if that helped or what but it just made it more artistic looking
1: moving on the worst story (laughs) i picked batman versus the vampire part two uh, by gardner fox from detective comics number 32 it was just full of utter nonsense Um, A very close second was Peril in Paris by Gardner Fox from Detective 34. Mm -hmm. But I ultimately went with the other because the result of it being bad, it also made the first part from Detective Comics number 31 equally bad. Uh Um, Because when we we had our episode on number 31, you were a lot harder on that story than I was. And I kept saying, well, wait till the second part. Wait till the second part. Maybe it'll get better. But then we got to the second part, and nothing was explained. And it's, and now so, I look back on that number 31, and it's just like, ugh. Because I know, I know there's nothing coming that's going to explain the nonsense.
0: So not only did was 32 a bad story, but it let you down. Yeah. Yeah, and ruined the previous story on top right. of it. So. Right, Well, my pick was Peril in Paris. Plus I had
1: to admit that you were right, which just kills right. me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the one time that'll ever happen. Um, my pick was Peril in Paris, Detective Comics number 34. Not only was it like out of order, which you know is just a publishing thing, that's fine, whatever. But it kind of just right off the bat just seemed wonky. But um, I disliked the villain immensely, the Duke, who had no origin or you know a very good motivation for why he was doing what he was doing. Not,
1: um, not to interrupt, but did you notice that your worst story had my worst villain, and my worst story had your worst villain?
0: Yes. <laughs> and I was thinking about that when when picking these that hap- I. I think maybe in the future, a lot of times the worst story is going to have to also be the worst villain. Seems like, but
1: well, I don't think so. I mean, I think we we can separate. See, yeah. that's why I went with um, uh, I've probably forgot his name now, Karl Kruger, with for the best villain because you know taken out of the story, which I, I tried to kind of do when I was talking about the character, so that the story wouldn't influence my True. pick. Um, True.
0: Yeah, and, and in the future, these characters are going to be reoccurring more often than they did this year, so... Right. So one bad Joker story doesn't mean the Joker as a character is a bad villain, but... Who's the Joker? Oh, true. I don't know. <laughs> Just some, you know, some Joker. Or, oh, some Joker. Okay. Um, but anyway, I dislike, like I said, I dislike the Duke zapping people's faces off and, you know, letting them go. Doesn't get you money or women, so I don't even understand what the point of him was. <laughs> you know, he's got a magic wand and a face zapper and a big wheel of death and... Um, but milk flowers. It was the flowers. I'll yeah. admit it. It was all a room full of flowers with talking faces that not only is never explained, but never even addressed again. Like right. he, doesn't, he doesn't even go back to you know pick them and take
1: them home or, or something, You know? something. <laughs> he does nothing with it. Wait, if you pick a sentient flower, is that would you would that be killing the flower? I would love to have found out.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you know what? The Wizard of Oz. Came out this year. <sighs> Is with that... The, with the Talking Trees. Hmm. I wonder if that had any influence on it.
0: Boy, that, that sure would be great if it did. Cause I it wonder
1: when in the year Wizard of Oz came out. If it was towards could, the end of the year or... I
0: could tell you exactly because I put that in my history. Oh, did you? Okay. August 15th.
1: Okay, then they would... Yeah. So that was... That came that story came out in October, right? Because it was November cover dated.
0: It came out in uh, – it came out – oh, I don't know. I don't have it with me.
1: It, yeah, because it was a November cover date, so it would have been October. Right. Late. So, yeah, that's that's two months. I mean they could have went to see Wizard of Oz and then said, hey, talking trees. I'm going to put talking flowers in my story.
0: Mystery solved. Wow. I mean it still isn't, doesn't excuse it, but – No. Oh, it, no,
1: no, no. It doesn't excuse it, no.
0: At least there was a reason. Right. All
1: right, and last but not
0: least, probably the most important, uh, is best story, and I picked the Batman Wars against the dirigible of Doom from Detective Comics number 33. I pretty much picked this for the origin story, which uh, I guess is kind of cheating because it's only two pages of this whole whole uh, issue, but um, it was one of my fa- it was the favorite. My favorite thing that I read this year. We talked about two pages for like an hour on episode seven, I think. So, um, but despite that, even the rest of the story isn't that bad. Like by Fox standards, especially Carl Kruger was kind of hokey, but at least you know he was. I understood what he who he was and what he was going for, and I like the scenes where Batman like invades his fortress and and blows up the bad guys and uh-huh. escape escapes by switching the outfit and all or switching with the guards. And I liked how Batman actually studied the death ray and came up with a way to deflect it. Right. um, Which was like the first time we saw him going back for round two after doing his homework, that kind of thing.
1: Plus there was (coughs) a scene where he snuck into the guy's house and threatened him when he was sleeping, which we both liked.
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Right. And I liked the. I thought the aerial battle was pretty epic. And it was the first time a villain actually caused mass destruction to the city Batman is currently in, New York. Um. So I like that story, and combining that with my love for the first two pages of Finger's origin put this one on top for me.
1: My choice was The Case of the Chemical Syndicate by Bill Finger from Detective Comics number 27. One impressive thing, and I think what might have actually won me over, was that this story was only six pages long. And yet it didn't feel like there was anything rushed, there was no big leaps in logic, nothing left unexplained. But even beyond that, it was just a solid story. It, it, it had a beginning, a mystery, a surprise ending, and it was a great introduction to the character. Um, I, too, loved the two-page origin from the Detective 33. But since it was, wasn't was the full story and I didn't really think too much of the the rest of the story, it kind of brought that down for me, which is why I went with number 27.
0: Yeah, I almost went with 27 myself, but... I decided to cheat, latch onto that (laughs) two-story, two-story origin, yeah, and just justify it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if if that two pages would have been its own story in that issue, you know, I'm saying like a two-page story and then a ten-page story, Mm -hmm. I probably would have went with the origin. Yeah. But since it was part of the larger story, I couldn't uh, just couldn't count it. Yeah. One final note: I should have mentioned this before we started, but we will be uh, posting all our choices on the website. We're gonna make a little chart. And then, like, when we do the next year in review, we'll add those to that chart so you'll be able to go through and see. Yep. And I think we'll be able to link to the episodes for each, like, the best story we can link to the first episode.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and we'll just do that every year. So every year we'll come back and we'll do these same categories again and see what we come up with. Um, so that's our year in review for 1939. Any other thoughts? or? Welcome 1940. Welcome 1940. Looking Welcome. forward to it.
1: Welcome back, Bill Finger.
0: There are going to be a lot of changes, I think. Yes. Um, But in the meantime, you can find everything you need to know about this show at our website, BatmanLegends.com. There you'll find notes and images for every episode, uh, an RSS link that you can subscribe to with your favorite reader, a link to our show on iTunes where you can subscribe and download all our past and future episodes. There you can also leave a review for our show, which we would very much appreciate as it I think it gives our show more publicity when it comes to iTunes search results. And also, we just like feedback of any kind. So if you got the time, please leave us a review. Um, and speaking of feedback, the website also has a handy-dandy contact form where you can send us comments, questions, or even suggestions if it strikes your fancy. And if you hate forms, you can contact us directly at podcast at batmanlegends.com. And like I said already, but Mike and I really appreciate... Any feedback you're willing to give as it lets us know there's someone out there listening, so please drop us a line. We try and read all the emails on the show. I know we've been slacking on that, but we'll get back to it next episode for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of shows, be sure to visit Mike's other show, The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, which is his weekly show covering Golden Age Superman stories, one story at a time, which you can find at greatcrypton.com. And I also have another show called The Mighty Shield, a Captain America podcast where John M. Wilson and I cover Captain America appearances in the Golden Age, Silver Age, and today. And you can download that at themightyshield.com. And lastly, don't forget our partner site, Batman Yesterday Today and Beyond. A fan site for Batman comics, toys, figures, news, and more. And they can be found at batmanytv.com. Uh, thanks again for listening. Next week we'll be Delving into comic books again, this time taking a look at all Batman material released in January of 1940, which consists of still just one issue for now, Detective Comics number 36, so be sure to read along, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and copyright DC Comics.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to... Oh, let me start that over. <laughs> 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 <laughs>